was thinking about what I wanted to talk about tonight, which is basically the last class of the year. Uh, on Saturday, I'm doing an intention setting, so that's not really a, a typical Dharma class. Um, and it, it, I always think there. It, see, this is this is what's funny about these types of um, th- these dates or occasions that there should be some special type of um, talk, almost like summing up the year or creating a scenario for the new year. And that's just um, just, just what the mind does. There's, it doesn't matter what it is. It, it just doesn't matter. <clears throat> but our minds tend to work that way, trying to get into some kind of uh, should um, be a particular thing. And instead, I was... Um, uh, just kind of reflecting on the the meditation instructions that I've been offering the last few days and that I offered this evening about being open, spacious, receptive, don't know mind. That don't know mind is where we um, really are willing to let go of our preconceived ideas about everything and just say, I don't know. Um, I was... I did it a few days ago, I think for the first time in the morning, and there was some time during the day I had some thought that had lodged and I was trying to figure something out. And, you know, this stuff just sneaks up on us. And I all of a sudden noticed that I was trying to figure something out and the phrase came into my head, don't know. And it just went poof and disappeared. And I'm like, oh, that's pleasant because all that attachment and constriction also dissipated with it. And so there was this openness and this spaciousness. And it's not that that happens every time, but that is that is what we're creating the, the, the ground for that to be present, that openness, that spaciousness by this willingness to continually release our hold on things, our hold on ideas, our hold on the future, our hold on the past. <clears throat> and it, and, and it's, it's really quite lovely. Um, there's a, there can be a bit of joy in there, which is one of the factors of, of enlightenment. You know, oh, joy in that moment. And so um, that, that, I think, is an important piece of, of what we're doing. And then the other day, I think it was yesterday, the phrase rest in being came, came to my mind. And that is, um, I first heard that phrase oh, 15, over 15 years ago when I did the Year to Live group. Um, when I was taking the Year to Live group as a participant, and there's a Stephen Levine in the book has a uh, a meditation rest in being, and basically it means to same thing, let go of our ideas, let go of our preconceived notions about things, um, shoulds and coulds and woulds, and just be with the experience of the moment. Uh, and I remember it came in really handy, or it was so beneficial for me. I was overseas the year I was doing Year to Live, and I was in Syria um, doing uh, archaeology, and uh, I, it was really challenging. I didn't want to be there. I did not want to be there. It was the hardest thing in the world to be there, and my, I struggled, struggled, struggled. And so when I would do this meditation, this rest in being, the practice was to let go of that, I hate, I hate, I hate, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, and just release it. And in fact, 
he couples it, or I've coupled it in my mind with another practice in the book, this original face meditation, which is basically, what are you before the world got its hands on you? I don't think that's what he says, but that's my understanding of it. The stories and the conditions that, that, that color our, our view of the world, that color our outlook, let all of that go and rest in just being. And resting in being is just being present to this moment, being present to the experience that's right here. And last night, I mentioned before that I went to a show um, at, this little, at this little theater, Social Distortion, who is one of my favorite bands in the whole wide world. I've been a huge fan of theirs for many years. I've seen them, I think I've seen them more than I've seen any other uh, performer um, so many times because they're L.A. bands so it's, and they play a lot, so it's easy to see them. Um, and I was, I was standing in the theater last night and there was nothing going through my mind except there was this, all of a sudden I noticed there was this sense of joy, this sense of, of, of this real pleasant experience that I was having. I was just, the, the people, there was, there wasn't, there was no, it was before the show started and just the throngs of people and the milling about and the, the talking and the lights and the this and I was just being. I was just being and aware of the pleasantness, no attachment to should or could or would. And I noticed it and I went, oh, pay attention to this, Mary. Be with it. Because it's going to go away. I'm going to get attached to something at some point. Um, you know, like the six foot five person who stands in front of you or whatever. But anyway, but just in that moment, be. And that's that I, I really, truly... Um, attribute to this practice and this willingness and this this habit of mind of letting go, of of noticing the sensations of the moment and staying with them, whatever they are, you know, not thinking, just being. And it's so easy to get lost in thought. That's how we we walk through the world, thinking about things. You know, and, and I heard this many, many years ago. Some woman said it, and I loved it. You know, it's like when I think about the future, you know, all those stories about the future, I'm just making it all up anyway. I'm just making it all up. But it can have such an emotional impact. I had lunch with a girlfriend today who I hadn't seen in a while, and um, she just kind of walked away from a field that she'd been working in for 20 years and, and is stepping out into something that is quite unsure right now. And she says, I'm not actually afraid because she's in the moment. And she's like, right now, everything is fine. Right now, things are just as they should be. And, and there's, there's no fear. And we were talking about how actually all we get to see is what's in front of our face, like that next step. It's, but the mind wants to see the whole path. If, there's, if I'm on a journey somewhere, like I have a goal in mind, or I would hope I have, I have a dream about something, I want to know exactly how to get there. It doesn't mean we don't plan. It doesn't mean we don't have a sense of where we're going. But what's, what's clear is what's right in front of us. And then we take that step. And then we're present in that. And then the next step appears. 
it's, uh, that's been my experience and because everything else is just made up. And it becomes problematic if we have this really rigid idea of should and it's got to be. And then we start walking down that path and then reality gets in the way. And we're holding on and holding on and holding on. And reality's like, turn to the left, turn to the left, or turn to the right, turn to the right. And I'm like, no, I gotta go over here. I gotta go, I gotta go straight, I gotta go straight. And that's that's when it's so uncomfortable and so unpleasant. And that's the invitation to let go and release. Um, and what's important in this is willingness, you know, willingness to stay present, to stay with what's here. The willingness to return when we have become enmeshed in something, really willing to let go of our most cherished ideas, our most precious ideas, it's supposed to be this way. But it's not. Can you release that should? That's where so much pain comes, the aversion to reality. Or the, you know, the first arrow is when there's discomfort, and then the second and third and fourth arrow is when we argue with this and need to know all about it and figure it out. And instead, the invitation is just be. Let go of the precious ideas, because that's just a form of attachment. And it's a form of not willing to be with the present. That's a form of aversion. That's the Buddha's like aversion, attachment, greed, hatred. Let go, let go, let go. So another thing we have to do, and there's the willingness, but there's also the, the uh, we need to make sure we guard our sense doors. And this is um, sense doors. Um, I have to say that slowly because for the longest time when I first heard it, I thought it was sense stores, like stores. It's doors, the doors through which our experience enters. And, and it's pretty much the... Typical five senses plus, in Buddhism, thought. So it's sound, it's smell, it's taste, it's, it's physical sensation, touch. It's, um, did I get all five? Smell. And thought, because thought obviously has a tremendous impact on us. And there's a, um, one of the Sutta Buddha talks about this type of thing a lot, but in one of the suttas, it says Sariputta is talking to Sariputta, the, one of the Buddha's attendants, is talking to someone about how how to guard the sense doors, and he says when someone sees a sight with the eyes, they don't get caught up in the features and details. Um, if the fight, if the faculty of sight were left unrestrained, unskillful qualities of desire and aversion would become overwhelming. For this reason, they practice restraint protecting the faculty of sight and achieving restraint. So when you, and the same thing with sound, with smell, with taste, with touch, just let sound be sound, sight be sight, without creating the story around it. That's resting in being, and that's such an important thing because if you notice, this is, this is very apparent in meditation, if there's a sound like phone ring, I apologize, the phone ring during meditation, um, or oftentimes with a, a siren going by, whatever it is, the mind hears that, identifies it, labels it, and then determines a meaning, oftentimes, 
gives it a meaning. That happens with smell, that happens with sight, sound. Most often with thought. A thought shows up. A lot of times they just kind of ramble through because most of the things are neither pleasant or unpleasant. They're just rambling by because the mind just is constantly whirring, <clears throat> whirling around. Um, but uh, that's where we get caught up. A memory, a smell, a sound that reminds us of something or that we think is something and then we get all caught up. And when we're not paying attention, we're not practicing being fully present, we get caught up, we get lost. And as, and as the sutta said, unskillful qualities of desire and aversion become overwhelming. So there's the practice of being, um, letting go, restraint, you know, this, this, this not going out and grasping, but this practice of receptivity and not labeling and figuring out, just being open and this clarity. This is where the don't know mind is, not labeling everything. Oh, this is this, and this is this, and this is that, because half the time we don't know. It's just assumptions based on our experiences, not necessarily on reality. I talked about this a few weeks ago. So it's important to just really be fully aware. <clears throat> Thich Nhat Hanh also talks about this guarding of the sense doors, and he talks about it. He, he talks about it. He's... He, it's the fifth precept, but they call them mindfulness trainings. And in the fifth mindfulness training, which in the precepts, the standard precepts are not to ingest um, uh, any intoxicants that would lead to heedlessness. And I've, I've talked about this before because he's, he's, so, um, he's so thorough in, in inviting us to be aware. He said aware of the suffering caused by unmindful consumption, I vow to cultivate good health, both physical mental, and mental for myself, my family, and my society by practicing mindful eating, drinking, consuming. I vow to ingest only items that preserve peace, well-being, and joy in my body, in my consciousness, and in the collective body and consciousness of my family and society. I'm determined not to use alcohol or any other intoxicant or to ingest foods or other items that contain toxins, such as certain TV programs, magazines, books, films, and conversations. This was written before the boom of social media, so I would throw social media in there. I am aware that to damage my body or my consciousness with these poisons is to betray my ancestors, my parents, my society, and future generations. I will vow to, I will vow to, I will vow to, I will work to transform violence, fear, anger, and confusion in myself and society by practicing a diet for myself and for society. This, this proper diet, the diet of whatever we ingest is crucial for self-transformation and for the transformation of society. So this, watch what you consume smelling, seeing, primarily the eyes, the ears. Watch what you listen, watch what you read, watch what you think. Watch what you ingest bodily. Garbage in, garbage out. Um, that's the guarding of the sense doors, but he expands on it so beautifully that it lands perfectly for our where we live in this time because 
there's so much to consume in this consumer society. We live in a consumer society, so there's so much offered to us or force-fed us, and we do so much of it mindlessly. We hear something. Oh, somebody said that, so then that becomes a fact. But is it really? Don't know mind. Practice that. Is this? What is this? What is this? Don't just blindly ingest things. Really pay attention. So that's, you know, this, this guarding of the sense doors is really important for this ability to be present and not just get activated by everything that comes down the road, you know? Just let smell be smell, let sound be sound, let thought be thought, and, and practice. This is where the wisdom aspect of this practice comes in, this sense of discernment as well, you know? What is actually happening? But to get to that place, you have to be able to be present, which is where the rest in being is so helpful. We release the attachments, the shoulds, the if-onlys, the what-ifs, the have-tos, the nevers, and be present for the experience. What is this? What is this? That's the inquiry, the, the, the piece of investigation that comes with the, um, you know, again, part of the, uh, the factors of awakening, this investigation, this mindfulness, this investigation, this effort, so important. And it's so helpful at this time of year because we do have that. We're in this t traditional time of making resolutions, and a lot of times the resolutions um, have a flavor of judgment. Something's not good enough, and we need to make it better. <clears throat> and so I don't do resolutions because, you know, I used to as a kid because I was really unhappy in a lot of things. And so I, I would make these grandiose plans to change them, and they never lasted, you know, three days. <clears throat> and then you're a failure. Um, not really, but in your mind, in my mind. And so it's that just leads to that sense of discomfort and unease with the way things should be. And instead, I really, um, I really uh, love the invitation to intention. You know, the invitation to set your, uh, chart your course in a direction. The inclining of the mind towards a specific place. Not necessarily a particular um, goal, although goals are fine. As I spoke about a, a few moments ago, goals are fine, but watch the attachment to the outcome of the actions. You know, head in a particular direction. That, that's what I was talking to my girlfriend today about, you know, this, we need to walk in a particular direction. I kind of have a hazy idea. Some people know what they want to do. They have this thing. But again, watching that attachment. But just moving in a way of, I want to live in a way that doesn't cause harm. I want to become, um, you know, a couple the, in 2020, the, my intention was to become um, more comfortable with impermanence. And then the pandemic happened. And I'm like, wow. Okay, let's become uncomfortable with impermanence. Um, you know, uh, 
And so just set this intention. Um, and I, it, it should be kind. It should be gentle. It shouldn't be judgy. Judgy is not helpful at all. The discernment about maybe this is unskillful, maybe this behavior is unwise, maybe I'm not guarding my sense doors, maybe I need to guard my uh, sense doors a little better, maybe I should, this is causing suffering, so maybe I can let go of this, causing, you know, uncomfortability, dis, dis, discomfort, maybe I can let go of this. So it's a, it's a way of moving through the world that ends our suffering ends the discontent of the unskillful behavior, unskillful um, actions, and moves us in a way that's more wholesome, more skillful, more kind, more compassionate, whatever it looks like. And recognize we own, again, we only have the step that's in front of us. And so take the wholesome step when it's presented. Keep walking in that wholesome direction. Um, I find that to be such an important groundwork for whatever we do in the world because of that wholesome, skillful, kind, compassionate um, road is, our, is the road we walk on. It's going to take us in a wise direction in whatever we're doing. When, we, when we're faced with those choices, it's like, what's the wise choice to take? Not always that easy, of course, in the moment, but we have this foundation that's really really, um, really beneficial. So recognizing that, um, yeah. So this is, this is, this is this, the gist of resting in being. It's, it's such an important aspect of how we move through the world. This ability to just be this ability to be receptive, this ability to release the preconceived ideas about everything, don't know mine, which allows for us to be fully present, fully in our bodies, fully, fully responsive appropriately. This, this practice gets us to this place of equanimity, appropriate response to whatever's present. So... I invite you to reflect on um, what gets in your way. That's always a helpful place to start. What gets in the way of being fully present? Uh, what challenges, what's a challenge to let go of or let be? Um, and what judgments are there about yourself, doubts? These are always um, helpful questions to reflect on that can sometimes allow you to move in a wise way, move in a way that's, that's um, skillful and kind. So <clears throat> those are my thoughts, my friends. Um, I really appreciate your kind attention and hope this has been helpful in some way. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.